Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to this week's Visitor's Edition of the Michigan Man. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are 3-4 and four coming into this week's game. The record doesn't tell the whole story. Yes, they have struggled on offense, but they have been very good defensively. In all four losses, the games have come down to the last possession. If we beat this team on the national stage, it will be a victory hard-earned. They are an opponent that deserves our respect. My guest today has been up in the booth calling the radio play-by-play since the Glenn Mason years. He's seen the high of those years, And the lows in between, Jerry Kill coming back and breathing life into the program. And he likes what P.J. Fleck brings to this storied football team. Mike Grimm, the radio play-by-play voice of the Golden Gophers, will join us in just a minute. First, my view from Section 17 to get us warmed up. Has this been one nerve-wracking year of watching Michigan football, or is that just my view? From the Florida game until this Saturday, I have not had any idea what to expect from this team from week to week. Well, that's not entirely true. I knew our defense would be good, but it has exceeded my expectations. They are very, very good. The offense was my worry from the get-go. I thought it would take time for things to come together, but even I couldn't foresee how frustrating the journey would be. When you recruit at the level Jim Harbaugh has since coming here, You expect replacing most of your offense will be a challenge, but we would be replacing veterans with even more talented youth, youth being the key word. Through the first seven games, many of us wondered, how can we struggle like this with so many four- and five-star guys on the field? With an offensive line featuring players recruited by Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and many other great schools. I wondered what we were going to do with all the receivers we recruited when the season started. How could we make all of them happy and get them enough touches? Expectations, that is the word I'm looking for. We all expect Michigan to just roll out this highly rated offensive talent and it will just magically come together. It doesn't work that way as we're seeing. It really does take patience. A word college football and Michigan fans don't like to hear, especially after having to exercise that patience so much during the last decade. Last Saturday, on an overcast and crisp day, we had our patience tested again in the first half. How could we not move the ball at will against Rutgers? 
Then in came redshirt freshman quarterback Brandon Peters, and we looked like a different team. He put points on the board in his first four possessions and looked very good in all phases of the game. So the offense is fixed, right? Not quite, but there is hope. This Saturday, the journey continues, and young Brandon Peters will get his first start. Will there be bumps in the road and mistakes? Sure there will. It's Brandon's time. It's his moment. His opportunity to be the man. It's what we love about college football, about Michigan football. It's national TV, the little brown jug, and we get to see this kid from Avon, Indiana, live his dream while we live ours watching the team we love. I'm ready for the Gophers, and I hope Brandon is too. There are some great trophy games in college football, but the battle for the little brown jug is one of the greatest and most storied. Minnesota radio play-by-play voice Mike Grimm joins me to discuss that and Saturday night's primetime matchup here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our visitors segment this week as we get ready for another night game in the big house is the radio play-by-play voice of the Golden Gophers, Mike Grimm. Nice to have you back with us, Mike. Always enjoy it, and uh, this is, uh, you know, one of our favorite games, no doubt, with the little brown jug on the line, and um, I know it would, uh, you know, need to, a lot of weird things would probably have to happen, but, uh, you know, maybe uh, may- maybe you could let us have this thing, you know, one time uh, every uh, more than every three decades or something, you know? <laughs> You know, some of uh, my friends and uh, Michigan fans, we were talking about this this week, the Little Brown Jug game. For those of us who have uh, been around for a while, it's still a big game. But when you talk to some of the younger fans, at least on the Michigan side, and, and I've heard this from other teams too, this this younger generation, maybe not as into the trophy games as uh, we old folks are, but do you sort of get that sense too, Mike? Yeah, I think so with this particular one, because it's been so dominant uh, with Michigan. I mean, the Gophers have only won this thing, what, three times in 50 years or 40 years. So it, it, uh, when it never exchanges hands or rarely exchanges hands, it, it becomes an afterthought a little bit more than others. Like uh, the Gophers just this past weekend played for Floyd of Rosedale, and while Iowa has had the better end of it in recent years, Minnesota has captured that thing, you know, five or six times in the last 12 or 14 years. So there's some, you know, and it's a border rival as well, so there's some stuff that happens there that uh, – uh, that that's kind of fun and makes it a rivalry. Um, if Minnesota, you know, would be able to uh, elevate its program and win the thing uh, a little more, I think it would become uh, back onto the front page, so to speak, uh, because the story is remarkable and how it started. And obviously, you know, up through you know the late '60s, this was one of the best rivalries in all of college football because it was two of the big storied programs. And um, you know, it'd be obviously here in Minnesota in Minneapolis uh, someday. We're hoping that this program can elevate back up to that and. 
uh, and and uh, give Michigan a run for its money, you know, on an annual basis. Well, Mike, I watched the game on Saturday against Iowa. I thought the Gophers might at least tie it up late in the fourth quarter, but right now it looks like it's really hard for this offense to get anything going consistently. That's the scary thing about this game. Obviously, you all know better than I do about how good the Wolverine defense is, and this Minnesota offense is undoubtedly limited right now. Uh, they have an inexperienced quarterback who shows some signs, he really does, but he's going to make his third career start. And if you've only made three career starts, the big house is probably not necessarily a place you want to get indoctrinated. In fact, quite honestly, Kinnick Stadium's not the greatest place to go play to, to, to uh, make mistakes on the fly uh, in his second career start last week. I thought he weathered the storm of handling the situation okay. In other words, it didn't it looked like, to me, it didn't look like, I mean, he didn't play great, but it wasn't because he was, you know, um, quaking in his boots. It wasn't because he was out of place. I mean, he was okay. He was in control. He was in command. He wasn't, I'm not going to say he wasn't nervous. I mean, everyone's nervous, but it wasn't like I'm shell-shocked here. Uh, the Gophers have had that in the past, and frankly, at Kinnick Stadium a few years ago, they had that with a with a guy making his first start. It took a quarter before, they, before he even could look downfield. You know, he was nervous. So from that standpoint, Croft has been able to handle that part of it. Now it's just a matter of, you know, P.J. Fleck, who I know a lot of your listeners will be aware of because of his time in Western Michigan. He talks about, uh, he has a lot of the catchphrases, you guys know that, uh, failure is growth or failing is growth. And, and basically that's a, that, that's a one way to put, you know, you learn from your mistakes. And so he's making some. Uh, he's going to make some. Young guys will. And um, that's the scary thing going into this thing, because uh, obviously Michigan's defense is one of the best in the country. Well, we're talking about Demery Croft, the uh, the young quarterback making his third start. I thought he battled hard on Saturday night. Passing game, though, is a huge issue. You look at the numbers. Tyler Johnson has 31 receptions. And then you look down that list and it really drops off as far as who's getting touches or catching some passes in this offense. That is uh, really tough because the running game, you know, more or less is doing its part. But getting that passing game going, it has not been easy, has it? No, and some of it is just because of of weird stuff, like the timing. For example, you know, Philip Howard is probably their second best receiver, but he's missed two or three games with a concussion. Um, Rashad still has been suspended a couple of games, and he's probably physically their most gifted guy, but, you know, he just hasn't really had much impact this year for whatever reason. Tight end Brandon Lingen, I think, is probably their best weapon. Uh, he's missed two or three games with injury. Uh, every time he gets healthy, he gets a touchdown. It seems like he had back-to-back touchdowns, Michigan State and Maryland. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Purdue and Maryland, and then got hurt in the Michigan State game and, and has been slow to come back, and he missed most of last year with injury. So some of it is simply that guys haven't played the full season outside of, of Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson right now is, is, is their top you know, target. Uh, and then on top of that, um, when guys are in there, they're having some trouble uh, hanging on to the football. Croft, um, his numbers were no good last week statistically, but it wasn't all him. Uh, first of all, he did a nice job of making decisions to throw the ball away when he was in trouble. He's been instructed not to take sacks, and he's been good about that. Well, when you do that four times a game, you know the stat line is going to look worse in terms of a completion percentage, but you've done your team a favor by not taking the sack. Uh, and then he probably had four or five drops. So all of a sudden you're up to eight or nine incompletions that were not bad throws. They weren't you know, mistakes. They just happened as circumstance. And that's why when guys put up those big numbers, it's impressive because they don't have to throw the ball away and they hit guys and those guys catch it. So it's been a combination of things. 
Um, but I don't think there's any doubt that the pat the receiving core has to step its game up, as does the quarterback. Well, the run game by the numbers is pretty good. Rodney Smith, 651 yards. Shannon Brooks, 383. Kobe McCray, uh, 291. I know Shannon Brooks got dinged up, I saw, late in the game. But overall, the running game has been pretty darn good. Yeah, and you know it, it has been a, a bit of a struggle at times. When it has been a struggle, it's because, again, they're young up front. There's not a lot of depth. And, and it's, you know, it's not for lack of, of uh, effort. Uh, it's just, you know, they're learning on the fly a little bit. Even Iowa, you know, who has been a kind of an offensive line factory, they, they're going through some similar things. They have some really good running backs. Um, but as it stands, uh, they, uh, you know, they, they, their offensive line's a little inexperienced as well. And that's what Minnesota's going through. They, they have uh, two or three freshmen that are rotating through. Um, and, and a couple of guys from last year's team uh, have been injured off and on, co- uh, coming back from surgery. The center, Jared Weiler, out of Dayton, Ohio, was finally back to what looks like full strength. Um, and, and so when, when all of that goes, uh, w- when it's working together, they put together a game like they did at Purdue and against Illinois, where they're running for nearly 300 yards. And then uh, last week they struggled a little bit. But that Iowa defense had something to do with it. And they're going to have to find something, I think, in the running game this weekend uh, against Michigan. And that, as you know, has been a a tough assignment. Again, I watched the game on Saturday night, the Iowa-Minnesota game. Uh, I thought the defense played really, really well. I know Iowa has its struggles, as you mentioned right now. But in those four losses uh, that the Gophers have, Mike, the defense has kept Minnesota in the games and helped them hang around. They're really playing well. Well, I think they've played well enough to win all of those games. Um, for, you know, the, the, In essence, they've all been single-possession games. Uh, the one clunker, I guess, if you want to call it that, was the home game, the Big Ten Open against Maryland. I didn't think either side of the ball nor the special teams uh, was very good in that game. Uh, and yet it was, still was a one-possession game that they had a chance to, to try to tie late and, and, and couldn't do it. Um, and then after that, it's been, you know, one possession games. They lose by three to Michigan State. They lose by seven to Iowa, had the ball late. Uh, at Purdue, uh, the final score was not a one possession game, but Minnesota not only lost that by 14, but Mike, with, with a minute 45 to go, Minnesota was ahead by a point. They kicked the field goal with 226 to go to go up 17 16. And then, and then Purdue had a nice kick return to put him in good field position and went down and scored to go ahead by seven. They made a two-point conversion, and then they had a pick six with like 15 seconds to play in the game. So it looked much worse than it was, but they're leading that game with a minute 45 to play. So they've all been close, and I guess that's the stage where this program is right now under P.J. Fleck. Uh, his predecessor, or I guess the coach before him was Clays. The coach before him was Jerry Kill. Kill had a much bigger turnaround situation uh, coming in. Um, but Jerry used to talk about their stages in the rebuild, and one was you get blown out early uh, in, in the rebuild, and they did that, remember, at Michigan, 58 nothing when Denard Robinson scored 1,000 points, I think, still having nightmares on that game at the big house. But then, then, then you lose close games, then you win one or two that push you over the top, and then remember, Jerry Kill won the Little Brown Jug just a handful of years ago, you know, just two or three years after getting beat 58 nothing. Um, this is not a total rebuild for P.J. Fleck. The, the cupboard was not bare, but there was, I think, a little bit more uh, rebuild than what people may have thought because this team won nine games last year, but they're starting a new quarterback. The secondary was decimated by suspensions and, um, and graduation. Uh, the defensive line is very thin. The offensive line, I've already mentioned, is thin. So with all of that, it's not a total rebuild, but I think they're now in that process, or if Jerry Kill were to talk about it, I think he'd say they're in that stage where they're losing close games, and eventually you win one or two and you get pushed over the top. Iowa State has seen that now. They lost a bunch of close games last year. 
and now look what they're doing. So uh, that that's the next step for P.J. Fleck and this Gopher team. Well, looking ahead to Saturday, Mike, I would think the Gophers' struggling offense playing against Michigan's defense, as we mentioned, is a huge key in this game. They are going to have to search for something that works against Michigan, and that is a tall order, isn't it? It is. That's the, that's what I'm saying. It's a scary thing. I mean, I, I'm not a gambler, uh, but I do see that the spread was 14 or 15, and um, I know there's some Gopher fans that are like, holy cow, that's a big spread. But the, the issue is Minnesota, you know, how, how many points will they score? You know, I mean, it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, they scored 10 against Iowa. Uh, you know, they, they scored 16 against Purdue. Um, now, they did have a 21-point fourth quarter against Michigan State, but prior to that, it was a struggle. So, um, you know, to, 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 to make it a game, I mean, that's got to be the goal is the defense has to, you know, and let's face it, Michigan's offense has not exactly been a juggernaut itself, and they've had their troubles themselves in the, in the red zone. So if Minnesota's going to, you know, somehow stun people and pull an upset off in the big house, it, it will have to be a situation where they keep it close in a low-scoring kind of game. Obviously, the Gophers can't win a shootout. Um, I don't think, and I'm not sure Michigan's equipped to, you know, to, to play in a shootout anyway. Um, but what will have to happen is the Gophers will need to keep it close somehow. And maybe it's a pick six, maybe it's a sack fumble that you return. Maybe you return a punt, although their, their return game has not been very good this year, quite candidly, Minnesota's I'm talking, but somehow steal a touchdown somewhere, keep it close, roll into the fourth quarter and hope, you know, somebody makes a play and, and you can steal one. I mean, I think that, quite honestly, is the hope right now if uh, Minnesota wants to pull an upset off. Well, daytime or nighttime, the battle for the Little Brown Jug has always been uh, of great interest to Michigan fans and Minnesota fans, and who knows what's going to happen this Saturday night. My um, guest today on our visitor segment has been the radio play-by-play voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm. Mike, thanks, as always, for being so gracious with your time and visiting with us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed it, Mike, and uh, we'll look forward to it every year. And I kind of like the idea that we also have a hockey rivalry added to this uh, thing i know that a lot of people are wondering about big 10 hockey but it's uh, i think the uh, the benefit of big 10 hockey is we get to see the wolverines on the rink every year uh, a couple of times as well i, I agree it's uh, great to have uh, big 10 hockey back and big 10 season's not quite underway yet for hockey but not far behind yeah no doubt about it no doubt about it and then obviously uh, i have as much respect for uh, coach beeline as any coach in the country i always enjoy visiting with him before those games too so um, yeah, it's, uh, I know things are cooking along pretty good for the uh, for the Wolverines, and they're excited. So always fun to chat with you, Mike. Thanks so much. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap up another Visitor's Edition here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, no injury updates since Monday. Kareem Walker, Ty Isaac, and Michael Enwenu were all nursing injuries as the week began. But again, their status for Saturday has not been updated. Here are some game day notes. Michigan leads the series 74-25. There have been three ties. The first meeting was on October 17, 1892. It was in Minneapolis and was a 14-6 win for the Gophers. These two teams last met on October 31, 2015, in Minneapolis, a 29-26 win for Michigan. P.J. Fleck is in his first year as head coach with a 3-4 record. He is 33-26 overall in his almost six years as a head coach. The Gophers finished 9-4 last year, 
5-4 and four in the Big Ten, and beat Washington State 17-12 in their bowl game. Every week I update the weather forecast, it seems to change by game day. On Monday, the weatherman said mid-50s with a 20% chance of rain. This morning, as I looked over the weather, it is now saying low 50s and a 50% chance of rain. So pack your rain poncho again this week. Kickoff is scheduled for just after 7.30 p.m. Our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can hear the show on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, please comment or rate the program. Next week is the first of two on the road. We head to Maryland to meet up with DJ Durkin and his injury-riddled Terrapins. On Tuesday's game day show, Michigan great John Jansen will be with us. Then on Thursday's Visitor's Edition, the legendary radio voice of Maryland football and basketball, Johnny Holiday, will join me. So make sure you come back next week for all of that. This Saturday night, we do battle for the Little Brown Jug. As Bob Eufer used to say, the most coveted piece of crockery in all of sports. Minnesota will be a challenge, and we are all waiting to see what Brandon Peters can do with his first start, and if our offense is finally turning the corner. A lot of questions, and some of them will be answered under the lights in the big house this Saturday. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend. Until next week, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!